Welcome to our podcast. Hey, welcome to our second podcast for Film Juxtaposed. And today's films are Spring, Summer, Autumn, Winter, and Spring. And What Lies Beneath. Thank you very much for joining us. And here we go for what is a pair of really depressing films. Yay! Fun. If I, if I may, it's at least everywhere else, it's Spring, Summer, Fall. Because it's it's translated as American. Yes, I know. In the UK, it is spring, summer, autumn, winter, and spring. Oh, fair, 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 fair. As what do you? Who do you want to cater you to? You are right. In America, it is spring, summer, <laughs> fall, winter, and spring. Yeah. And I don't actually. Also, if I if, if I may, second episode. It's not the second podcast. You sound like a boomer. I just realised you probably take those out because we're not going to number them, are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be funny if it's like. We are now on our 13th episode. Welcome to it. Will we still be going in a year? I'm, yeah. joking, I'm joking. Yes, of course we will. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> keep, this so I... keep this all in. Okay. I'll... <laughs> no, no, I'm haven't... kidding. I'm joking. No, it's okay. We haven't said anything disparaging unlike last time. <laughs> Because uh, I was going to say, we are going to discuss uh, plot points, so spoilers will be... There will be spoilers. So, um, I have a fun starter question for you. Okay. I think it's safe to assume that you've seen other films by Robert Zemeckis. I have seen other films by Robert Zemeckis. I have yep. a beautiful cheat sheet here with me where I looked up loads of things. I basically <laughs> copied stuff over from IMDb and Wikipedia <laughs> because I am I am a professional. But I know that you've not seen other Kim Ki-duk films. That is very, very true. And Kim Ki-duk is, I think, quite easily one of the most controversial filmmakers out there. That would be that I, I can I can infer that from the film that I've watched, and this is one of the the tame ones for those listening to this film. Considering exploring Kim Ki Duk, this is probably the closest to a PG that he's made. Wow, well that's saying something. It is saying something. So I'm guessing you probably don't know much of his controversies. No, and I tried not to read up on them because yeah, I was yeah, like, it's cool, yeah, it's cool. Ben will tell me about it. Yep, but um, not that I want the podcast to dwell too much on them, um, but I am intrigued now that you've seen one of his films, would you watch another? I would definitely give another one a go. Um, I I do find this kind of cinema interesting for my taste. Uh, I do try to keep an open mind when it comes to cinema. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would definitely give at least another one a go. Um, I think it's... Um, Thematically, I I found it quite interesting. So, like, generally speaking, and it's kind of a weird... Comp it is a contrast with Robert Zemeckis' other films. I'm not sure it's the case with What Lies Beneath. But most of Kim Ki-duk's films are actually quite uncomfortable to watch, and they're often sort of, like, um, nihilistic or very cruel they're mostly about the cruelty of mankind and mm -hmm. he also happened to be a very cruel individual so it's because he's amusing he, right, sorry didn't he he passed he did pass yes, yes. and died of of uh covert 19. oh very very recently in fact uh well yeah it wouldn't have been like 
in 2017 dying of COVID-19. That would have been... Um, he, he had moved out of South... From what I understand from having read, uh, he had moved out of South Korea, had attempted to move to China in order to make a film that was going to be funded by the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. And in light of the controversy around him and the recent sexual harassment accusations, mm. moved to Kazakhstan, where he made his final two feature films, one of which um, our dear listeners are able to find in a pirated fashion because it will not be released properly. Um, I think that one's called Despair. Mm-hmm. Um, I've yet to watch it. And then the other one has actually been completed by his editor. So it's essentially someone actually found the footage on his hard drive after a period of time. Wow. And they're like, oh, there's a film here that hasn't been finished. I'll pop it together. Right. And stamp it and but i will add the following comment to anyone listening that is what i've understood from what i've read in the press um kim ki duk's press coverage has always been quite uh abstract so you never quite know if you're reading the truth or if it's actually a variety of truths that have been put together by critics that are just gathering information where they can get it because it's not actually the official source yeah so robert zemeckis is it zemeckis or zemeckis so I'm going to call him Robert is, Z from now on. Rob, 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 just call him Robbie. Um, the thing Robbie, is, I, I would have. I, I'm not best mates with this guy. Um, no, I, w- I would have gone actually Zemeckis, uh, but that's how because that's that's how I would say it in Spanish. Okay, I'm going to say uh, Robert so I, Z because that's just too complicated for me. Yeah, the director of this film, <laughs> the director of What Lies Beneath, who will from now on be known as Robert Z, just to keep things simple. Um, his films are usually quite enjoyable to watch, and Kim Ki Duk's films are actually really well known for not being fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's a really nice contrast, but ironically, this particular film, Spring, Summer, Autumn, Winter, and Spring, is, or Fall, depending on what, which country you're listening from, yeah. is vaguely enjoyable to watch because of the cyclical narrative and the sort of idea of finding peace with the world whilst what um, lies beneath is the complete opposite yeah i i well i mean i will i will say i was entertained by both films uh, it was the first time that i watched both of them so um i had i had not watched yet what lies beneath in the 23 years that it's been out um but um i found them both enjoyable uh, but i do think that uh, spring summer fall winter and spring i i did i didn't see the ending as a hopeful thing if uh, that's what you were oh no going not for. at all no 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 i'll clarify it like there are films that kim kiduk has made like the isle or uh, pieta or or his other forward title which i think is earth nature planet i sorry i was actually just making a bad joke out of that i should probably look it up one second it's a google check moment or his other four-title film, Human, Space, Time, and Human. I guess Spring is actually five. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's certain films of his are actually horrible to watch because of the crimes that are depicted, where I think Spring, correct me if I'm wrong, but the crimes that are shown on it are animal cruelty. um, Yep, which was not easy to watch. No, but fairly tame compared to his other films. (laughs) 
I, I can't, I don't have anything to I mean, to I'll tell you, because I think our listeners will be intrigued, but it's good for them to hear it before anyone goes, down, you know, looking for it. Yeah, down a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, because that rabbit hole is one that you can't unsee. Um, I think one of his worst might be The Isle. Uh, there is a sequence where a... Warning, the following is a graphic description. Disabled girl is taken advantage of by fishermen, and then she enacts her revenge. And one of the revenge sequences is a point of view camera angle shot from underwater. So it's an underwater shot looking up at the toilet hole of one of the fishermen. So just to clarify, the the floating vessels that they sleep on, which I think are the equivalent of rafts, um, has a hole in it for people to defecate in. So the girl is swimming underneath the poop shoot yeah and it's her point of view so we're able to see her hands and this is for anyone listening i apologize this is graphic but i promise you it's less graphic than watching the film based on what i've mentioned she uses fish hooks and she reaches up and puts them into the fisherman's ah um we had marked this podcast as explicit, right? Oh, yes. Fucking hell. <laughs> that, that, I, I just wanted to be able to really react to that. Jesus Christ. Oh, my Lord. So uh, I, do, I, I, I do kind of sit with, like, spring. The, the, the sequences of, like, the frog, the, the fish, and the snake. Snake. You know, they, they're, they're upsetting, but <laughs> they're not fish hook. <laughs> and hey. From what I have uh, found in my little bit of uh, research, because I come prepared, um, there is actually an extra scene uh, of, and I, I don't know if, if it was just like this was a, a reshoot of it. I don't think so. I think it was just another extra one where instead of, uh, and it was basically uh, edited out of um, uh, of the film for. You're going to reveal to me because I was always wondering if. If the copy that you and I have seen is the international copy that upsets audiences, or if we've seen the American edited version, so the um, the actual uh, unedited one, uh, and apparently you would notice because it's of a very lower quality. Uh, we have not got that one. The rock is not tied to the animals; it is fed to them. So. The kid literally puts rocks inside them. He opens the mouth of these three animals and puts the rocks inside them. Uh, obviously, it's safe to assume that all those animals died. I did not know about that. I thought we'd seen the animal cruelty version, which is where they're tied down. Now I'm like... So then oh, I... oh, it's still animal cruelty, believe yes, me. Yes, but like, like, we've it's... gone from like vaguely... like. It's animal cruelty, but it's like now you've gone to like fucking horrible. Um, yes, yes. So, so you know. Okay, yes, so uh, I, I take definitely. I take my remarks back. This is just as bad as his other films. Then. <laughs> yeah, we just got to see the tame version of it. Yes, which actually is much more palatable. Hmm. You do know we're comparing this film to another film, which we can start talking about as well. I know, but it was just—it's a very. You know, it's... we should. We should. We should bring it a bit, you know, a bit, a bit more. Spring the hopes up with the with the with the film about the murder. But I want to point out that when I chose this film, I had no memory that it was Michelle Pfeiffer, and now we're apparently it's like 
Michelle Pfeiffer month again. Uh, but she's amazing. She's she great. is great. She's great in this. She is very great. She carries most of the film because she's on her own for most of it. Uh, yes. Lots of Michelle Pfeiffer walking around, and it that part of it reminded me a lot of Rosemary's Baby. Um, it's, it's sort of like if Rosemary's Baby didn't have a baby and had moved to the... Mm-hmm. Is it Vermont that they're living in? Uh, damn it, I no, don't, don't worry. I'm fairly certain off the top of my head that it is Vermont. And I always felt that like it was a bit of a throwaway. I mean, we're not American, but it kind of feels like someone's chosen Vermont as like sort of like destination hell for when your marriage has gone wrong. Right. Um, but yeah, she she sort of carries the film in a lot of the scenes where she's on her own. And I will say this, there is an uncomfortable element in watching it, which is Harrison Ford, the American sort of like Hollywood, not star, that's not the right word. He is sort of like a quarterback. We'll just describe him as a quarterback. He's like okay. the, the trusty American <laughs> uh, bloke. Mm-hmm. And he's playing a villain. He's outright evil. Yeah. So it's uncomfortable to watch that it. He was, first time that he was playing a villain. Yep. First time that he did a horror film. I think it's his, uh, unless I'm wrong, it's still his only horror film. Uh, yes, yep. it is the only horror film that he's ever done. Uh, but, you know, it, you don't really... Um, it, it's funny because even though I didn't... Um, I hadn't watched the film, I sort of knew the, what the plot points were. Um so it was interesting, and I think it would be interesting if you've uh, if you've never watched it and on a rewatch to see his acting through his lies, which is really good because he does seem like genuinely a nice person at the beginning and like not the horrible monster that he turns out to be. Yeah, even whilst rewatching it, I did I definitely fell for the because I hadn't seen this for I think about ten years. Um, I definitely fell for the. I just couldn't remember. I remember there being a twist specifically to do with like it being a buried past. But I, for some reason, I remember when I sat down to watch it, I was convinced. I was like, oh, it is the husband. But then whilst watching it, I sort of was like, oh, no, he's a nice guy. It can't be him. It must be the neighbor next door. Um, yeah. And I think it's also safe to say on the topic, this was definitely the Alfred Hitchcock film that Hitchcock did not get to make. Because yes. it's like it's the R-rated version of a Hitchcock <clears throat> film. Um, yes. So Zemix does get a little more freedom with his camera work than what Hitch used to do. So I've got a question. Unless I've really did like zoned out, what did they have a dog, and what happened to the dog? Um. Well, have I oh, added a dog? No, I think you've added a dog. Okay. Hold up. <clears throat> hold up. No, hold up. Let me let me check this. I've got I've got IMDb and and, and Wikipedia open. I don't remember a dog. Uh, no, they they have the daughter who leaves at the beginning of the film. I'm not saying the daughter is a dog. <laughs> I'm not saying that you're saying that the daughter is a dog. But was there a um, dog barking or something? Or am I just really just like completely making this up? No, there was. I believe I do remember a dog bark. Um, well, I, I that little piece has stuck with me this time. I kind of feel like there were a couple of loose ends. Um, in this viewing, but it's so like we'd never find out what the bloody shoe was about. I know that she did conclude that the, the That's true. she projected onto the neighbors, but we don't actually find out where, what this bloody shoe is. 
that she picks up and just puts on the uh, what is it called? It's not called a veranda. Bannister. Bannister. She puts it there, and it's very deliberate. But like, yes, and then it's there the next time. Yeah, that she goes and there's to the like house. there's a fallen chair in the house as well that she's looking in on. We don't get an answer as to why there was some sort of domestic abuse thing going on there, and if obviously there wasn't, but that loose end of the narrative kind of bothered me. And then, of course, um, there was one other thing that I feel like I want to talk about. Yeah. The ghost, the the corpse coming to life at the end. Ah, yes, the supernatural element, which both films have. <laughs> Look at that, juxtaposing these films. What is this film juxtaposed? It was a really interesting thing that we had this sort of overlap of the drowned woman and the... But there was something about... There was a very distinct difference between the West and the East in these two films. Oh, yeah. And, like, with the West, it's definitely this sort of magical realism that, like, no matter how shitty the situation is, you you can trust in the power of a ghost, you know, bringing a dead corpse mm. to life, because you're going to end up in the same river that the corpse is dumped in, and that corpse yeah. is going to save your life. I mean, I, I do also see, you know, the, the magical realism in uh, in spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring, uh, but it does have the the connotation of spiritualism, doesn't it? Like when the when the old monk basically we find out that he commands that boat. He just commands it. What? How? Doesn't matter. He just commands it. He he moves it with his mind, his Buddhist monk mind. Uh, so I I I sort of see what you're saying there. That um, that the magical realism, in spite of both having it, it, it is treated in a different way. Yeah, to me it was more like with Spring, it was more sort of like um, the magical realism was very matter-of-fact, but it's part of the religion. And it's not mm -hmm. necessarily to serve the purpose of mankind. It's more to act as like part of nature, if that makes sense. So like when the monk burns to death, you suddenly have the snake going past yes. so like this weird hint that maybe he's been reincarnated in some shape or form mm. but like with the american or the western interpretation of magical realism in what lies beneath it sort of like it is to serve for the safety of a um a woman in a bad situation um yeah, like there, there is a, a clear separation from from the real world and that magical realm. Yeah. Although, <clears throat> funnily enough, we also in spring, summer, fall, winter, and spring have. I don't know if you're noticing that every time I'm just giving a quick look so that I know that I'm getting the the name right because I've got. I'm it just calling out. it spring. <laughs> well, you know, just in case people are like, "Oh, wait, what was the name of this film again?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we do also have a uh, a. A man murdering a woman. Uh, yes, in no, this case, the, the young monk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, not sh again. Just as just like in uh, what lies beneath, not shown on screen. Although there is an attempt in what lies beneath. Um, Trust me. But yeah, Kim Ki Duk at a later point does show that. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. <laughs> it's this film, as I say, this is the closest to a, a sort of like a PG sort of like. Family friendly, friendly, family friendly Kim Ki Duk film. 
Let's talk about these films and their genres. So, fun one. Whilst What Lies Beneath is very obviously a gothic horror. Yes, and a thriller. And a thriller, yeah, it is a thriller. It's actually, yeah, because it it's is. Hitch. It's a very Hitch thriller. It's, a, it's according to... Uh... According to Wikipedia, which we all know is a very, uh, it's a very faithful source of information, uh, it is a supernatural horror thriller. But I do see the gothic element that you mentioned. Well, just because it's a ghost. Say. Yeah, there you I go. I mean, that's the, the <laughs> slight difference where, like, I know it's almost a love letter to Hitchcock, but it never really is because Hitch never did, like, a full-on ghost film, I don't think. Um I've definitely seen more than half of his filmography. So yeah. I think it's safe to say that with Hitch, it always ends up being a murderer. Um, it's never a ghost. Yeah, no, but you even you even have the main character named Norman. So... No, yeah, yeah, like, it, he, he did do this as a, the blonde woman being the protagonist. It's got the, the pulling of the curtain and the shower scene. Um, yeah. So with the genre, what genre? Yeah, I was, I was going to say what genre. That's very interesting. Story? Yeah, because um, again, Wikipedia was like, "Oh, this is a drama and a romance," and I'm like, "Is is is it is is it?" I mean, I I get the drama part. I don't get the romance part. If he means just the part that happens in su- summer, no, yes, it is in summer. It is yeah. summer. It is summer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the way that it comes about um, was also uncomfortable, it's questionable, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very like, odd. No, that that wouldn't happen like that. Like you're describing it in your film, <laughs> no. and it's not, not great. Um, I did find it interesting that the, there was an insistence of using the doors in the monastery that just float in, in air, so to speak. There's yes. no walls around them, but the use of the the respect towards the door and the privacy that doesn't really exist goes out the window <laughs> when the when the couple get together he's like yeah i'm just gonna yeah. i'm not gonna bother with the door so you know <laughs> i i obviously at that point um, i was wondering about the symbolism of it and whatnot um you know because because when entering the monastery that's the one door that they always cross regardless uh even when they are leaving to do the to do the nasty to do the hokey pokey when they they still use those doors even though they they don't use the ones on the inside um yeah there is a similar thing i noticed as well in the rewatch was that the gate that opens at the beginning of the film sorry at the beginning of every chapter the one time that they go so this is now i'm referring to the spring segment when they go to the coast it's not a coast (laughs) they go to the bay um they go through the gate, and the boat is left, but it floats over to mm-hmm. where the tree is. So the, the boat is floating, and it's sitting next to the tree. So it's distinctly on water. And they go past the gate, which is in water, but then their trousers are dry. Now, usually I would say that's a detail error. Okay. But a weird part of me did also wonder, because when they come back, the boat was already back at the gate. Now, on the basis that we know that the monk can move the building at a later stage, is that part of it? I also found it a bit interesting that like the monk follows the kid um, 
And the kid sort of ignores the monk being there because I don't think the kid was completely unaware of him being watched whilst he was playing with the animals. Do you think? I think he was. I think his he was caught up in his cruelty. I guess. I don't know. It was just interesting. So it's like it felt similar to the sequence now so I'm referring to Winter when the baby goes crawling Mm -hmm. on the ice towards the hole. But that's actually because the baby is going to its mother. I wondered if maybe that the the concept of the cycle went so far as to even like the idea of like the teacher student. Oh, for me, definitely. I felt like it was the it was the inevitable. It was like the cycle was going to repeat itself. At least that's what the ending made me think that this cycle would repeat itself uh, indefinitely, essentially, and that it's beyond time and space. It just it's always going to happen that way. The the young monk becomes the the old monk. I do I do also think that it posits a an interesting sort of nature versus nurture kind of thing, doesn't it? Because it essentially says that despite the the nurture of of this kid having assuming that this cycle is what had happened before, that this kid monk also was given up by a mother whilst being a baby, that despite the nurture that this this child would have received uh, since a very early age, cruelty is inherent to him. It is in in his nature to be to be cruel, to be evil, to be to do these evil things. Uh, but then it does sort of uh, tread back on it in the sense that it it, it tells you that this there's the, the reform is possible, uh, but apparently not through nurture, but through through the mistakes. I don't know. Uh, I'm just rambling, to be honest. If you like the episode, give us a follow on Spotify, and we'll be back next month with more Film Juxtaposed.